Parenting, while a great privilege, is no easy task. It comes with its many happy memories, but then there will be the heartaches and there will be the struggles. When it comes to Christian parenting, well, there is a further dimension, a further sobering dimension, which is added. Our concern as believers is not just for our children's physical welfare, their education and their happiness, but it's their soul. The words of John in 3 John chapter 1 verse 4 come into focus here when he said, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Now it's clear from the, the context of that passage of scripture that when the experienced and the aged apostle said those words, well, John was not referring to his own biological children. No, he was speaking about those who had been converted and saved under his own ministry. So in that sense, he was a father figure and uh, he speaks in a spiritual capacity to many of these new believers. But what he does say touches on this subject, which I'm introducing today. Now, speaking as a father or like a father, John's delight, his greatest pleasure and joy was to hear that uh, those who had been you know, influenced by him or those who had been converted under his ministry, that he, he wanted and he rejoiced when he heard that they were walking in truth. Well, the same could be said of a pastor uh, with respect to his congregation. The same could be said of a Sunday school teacher and the students under his or her care. But today, as we look at this podcast, it is this intimate setting of home, that father or mother that we are thinking about regarding their children. So, so what do we do as Christians when not only our children show no signs of going on with God, but they actually turn against the Christian faith? This is going to be our first thought in a short series over the next while, which I have called What to Do When. What to do when my children turn against the faith? Well, first of all, we must intensify our praying for them. Uh, with with the, the busyness of life and wanting the best for our children in, in so many areas of life, the danger is that we fail to pray for them. Or even if we have prayed for them, it's been limp. It's been inconsistent. I must always challenge myself in this area. When, when difficult er areas arise, when difficulties arise, when, when we grieve over a lack of interest, Questions immediately have to flood our hearts. Have we really, truly, sincerely brought this child or our children with urgency before God? I'm sure many of you have and many of you will, but it's still the question to ask. Consider the occasions in the New Testament scripture where mothers and fathers brought their sick and their dying loved ones, their children to Christ. What a striking illustration of what we must do and ever do. Think of that certain man uh, that he's referred to in Matthew 17, verse 14. He knelt down before Christ and he cried, Lord, have mercy on my son. Then secondly, we must continue to love our children. This sounds obvious, but it is surprising how Christian parents may begin to resent their children when there is a more hostile response from them towards the gospel. David, King David, that is, by no means was a perfect parent, but one thing we see in the history of David is that his love towards his children, even when his house and home was divided, well, it was unquestionable. Think of Absalom and the grief that poured out of his heart towards him. This love, by the way, and I make this very clear, this love does not mean that we condone sinful behaviour. 
and approve of sinful behaviour, and we don't just, uh, in a sort of uh, glib fashion, accept the rejection of the Lord Jesus Christ by their lives. No, love, as the Apostle Paul writes in Corinthians, rejoices not in iniquity, but it rejoices in truth. If the, if the wounds of a, a friend are faithful, as the proverb says, how much more, you know, the wounds, faithful wounds of those who are uh, parents, fathers and mothers who love their children, but always father, always mother, uh, speak that truth in gracious Christ-like love. Our children remain our children. And there must always be in their minds an awareness that we can be approached when the prodigal son returned home, he returned into the arms of a loving father. Thirdly, we must remain consistent and steadfast. When someone we love, even our children, reject the faith which they have been nurtured under, it can hurt and it can hurt terribly and it can be very troubling even to our own souls. And my friend, do not underestimate Satan's ability to throw similar doubts of unbelief your way. Time and time again, steadfastness is called for in the Christian life in the scriptures. We're told to be salt and light. These are impactful. These are uh, living agencies. They, they, they have an impact. They create an effect. This requires that we, we know and we continue to know what we believe. The time may well come when your children will look to you again for counsel and help. And the question is, where will they find you? Will they find you in a far country yourself? Will they find you away from Christ? Or maybe after many years, they still find you walking with God. What a witness that is. What a powerful witness. Fourthly, we must encourage ourselves with God's word and promises. How often have we used the words of Proverbs 22 verse 6, train up a child, catechize a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Uh, I, I don't have time to develop this fully, but it's not a guarantee that every child of every Christian uh, family will be saved. But experience in Scripture shows otherwise. However, it is a solid reminder that many times, and I believe it's a covenant truth, many times that even when our children have been wayward for years, that God will use biblical impressions created in youth to bring them back to Christ in later years. King Solomon was such a one. Oh, what encouragement this is, I'm sure, to your own heart and to mine, that we, we use it as an incentive to keep sowing the seed faithfully in their early years. Number five, we must accept the fact that our children may not be saved. Let me just repeat this. We must accept the fact that our children may not be saved. And so we must continue to evangelize them. While in many cases young people may drift the backslide from a genuine conversion to Christ, and that often happens through sort of teenage years and so on. I fear the reality is that many have never been converted in the first place. And that's hard to accept. And the danger is that we just, we assume they are converted and therefore we treat them as just lapsed or backslidden Christians. And when, when the fact may be they're not saved and there must be a, a more of a pointed directing them to Christ for salvation. And then lastly, we must have our eye to the kingdom and the glory of God at all times. Again, go back to King David in 2 Samuel 23 verse 5. He said, although my house be not so with God, yet he hath made with me an everlasting covenant, ordered in all things and sure, for this is all my salvation and all my desire. You know, always at the forefront of our minds must be, be what? The words of Christ, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. 
Uh, and my friend, dear father or mother in Christ, uh, having done all the things that we've just mentioned here, we commend our children into the hands of God who always judges righteously. Bathe your loved ones in tearful prayers and submit to the perfect will of God in all things. And don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. The Lord may well restore your child or save your child in a future day when you are no longer here. As the hymn writer says, God moves in mysterious ways. His wonders to perform. 